All right, happy Sabbath. Now, we share another thing in common, Brother Marlon, and that is that uh, my wife and I, we spent our honeymoon in Jamaica. And let me tell you, I mean, you guys are, people from Jamaica are spoiled because, you know, well, I guess it's a blessing and a curse because then you see any other beach and you're like, eh. Mm. But in South America, you know, it's really hard to find, um, you know, a beach that is really clean and clear. It's just um, in Paraguay, my country, we don't even have beach. It's it's just just a brown river. Um, And and we enjoy it, but but I remember the first time I, I went to Miami and I saw the 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 beach like that with that color I was like oh I cannot believe this <laughs> you know um, anyways but I have a few goodies a few giveaways right here from the youth department and um, right here this one is this one is uh You know, it says pray, and then over here it says if my people, right? So um, I saw that you are one of the other people that are visiting, just like me and my family. And so who invited you to come to church? Yes. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Oh, yours is pretty good. From Haiti. Okay, amen. Happy birthday. Amen. All right, since it's your birthday, but nobody invited you, you found it through the website. Oh, it was over there. Oh, oh, oh. my brother was like, no, no, we did. Okay. You know, uh, then I'm going to do it this way. Uh, Let me see. All right. You'll get the yellow one because it's your birthday. He kind of, and uh, and this one's going to be for for you guys. Brother Marlon, if you could. but you look like you have children. Am I right or wrong? Yes. Happy birthday. Yes. And um and I'm sure somebody is going to invite him to eat at home, right? Um I didn't hear no amen on that one. Man. Um Mercy, mercy. Let me tell you a little secret, okay? Um, we had a, a lady in our church where my dad, uh, um, um, my dad's a pastor, my grandpa was a pastor, uncles are pastors. Uh, so it runs in the family, but there was this one lady that was the soul winning person in our church. And, you know, conference, union, everybody was asking, how do you get to, you know, bring so many people to Jesus? And it was very 
easy for her. It's just like, I invite them to eat. That's it. The Lord gave me this cooking ability, and I invite people to my home. And, um, you know, it's different than inviting somebody to potluck. Hey, welcome to potluck. You know, you're inviting somebody into your home. And, and you know the statistics. In order for a person to stay in a church, they got to build seven friendships. Um, but all right. So I heard you guys have a Pathfinder Club. Is that is correct? Is the director here for the Pathfinder Club? Not today? All right. Well, here it is. You know, something that we created at the youth department in order to go to the community and give them a little um, glow track. If That's not the right name, but it is type of, of that way. And you invite people. You write your address in the back. And so this one, it's also for adventures. So I heard that adventures is not going on right now, but... Hopefully, for this August, it will be started. Amen? Amen. Yes, because I do see children. So, Brother Marlon, I'm going to give these to you. Yes, and if you want more, just, you know, uh, txyouth.com. It is where we have our resources and different things for... Um, and last two, but not least, if you open your phones... Okay, just grab your phone. If you have Facebook, go to Facebook. And if you have Instagram, go to Instagram. Uh, just uh, go, go to your uh, Facebook or Instagram. On Facebook, go to Young Texas Adventist. And on Instagram, go to TX Youth. TX Youth. On Facebook, Young Texas Adventist. And once you have it, if you're there, say amen and show me your phone that you have it. Just, all right, would you like the shirt or the hat? Let me see, let me see the screen. Yes, give it a big like and a follow first. And uh, who else had it? Who else? Okay, right here it is. You're following it? Not yet. Here we go. Follow, follow. Because I hear too many times, I hear something like, there is nothing for the young people. And I'm like, what? That is not true. There's tons of things. So they're on our social media. And if you don't have social media, good for you. You can go to www.txyouth.com and it'll give you all the events and different things. You know, uh, our department was not closed during the pandemic. We did stuff. Uh, we did an online camporee, the first one. Uh, and because we were the first ones to do it, the idea was camp in your house, set up your tent in your backyard. And if you cannot put it in your backyard because you live in an apartment or it's raining, put it inside your living room. And we had... 12,560 people register for a camporee from 60 different countries. And so our motto in the youth department is world changers for Jesus. And so we don't want to make an impact just here on Texas. We want to make it on the world. So with that said, let's bow our heads for a, a word of prayer. Dear MV Father, I thank you for your care over us and because we have the privilege to gather here this 
evening, afternoon to worship your name and to hear your word. I pray that as I begin the sermon, that this message may be the one that you have prepared for your garland faith community. I pray that you may use your Holy Spirit to reach where it is impossible for humans to reach. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So, right there, it says, um, empathizing with today's young people. And uh, when, when you look at the word empathizing, okay, and just so you guys know, uh, real quick, this is only, what I'm going to be sharing today, it's pretty much a snippet of a chapter in this book. Um, this book is pretty much based on a whole lot of research and study on different churches and what it is that certain churches are doing in order to grow young. You know, certain churches are growing older, but not younger, and it is a problem. Why is it a problem? I want my daughters to, to keep pushing the church forward, the mission forward, but if, if the church in Garland dies when I die, then that's a problem. You know, that's why, you know, the title says Growing Young of, of making sure that the faith is passed on generation to generation and that it's also reaching, you know, other families, other people. So based on this study, they came out with six essential strategies to help young people discover and love your church. What a lot of churches are doing, by the way, is that the, the elders are getting the book and then they're getting together and studying the, the book as, a, you know, kind of like a small Bible study. And they go to scripture and the research scripture and research uh, back and forth. Okay? So with that said, empathizing with uh, today's young people. It says, uh, to feel, empathize means to feel cannot be superficial or false. As defined by the Stanford University, it says empathizing is the work you do to understand people. It takes work to understand people. You know, with all the tensions of racism, you know, towards the Asian community, to our, you know, African-American community. As a Latino... I don't understand. You know, I have different perspectives. But it takes effort for me to sit down, listen, open my ears, and say, how can I empathize with them? How can I understand? You know, it takes sitting down. It takes maybe a lunch, a dinner. It takes a phone call. It takes, you know, time. It takes effort to understand what other people are going through because it's very easy to dismiss things right and just say yeah yeah sometimes we don't even want to engage because of all the energy and effort that it takes away from us so with that definition in mind let me give you this illustration right here uh my injury which by the way uh this happened maybe five years ago and um, I was carrying some uh, for our food bank at our church in Austin. I was, I lifted up this box full of potatoes. Um, it was actually, no, uh, cucumbers. 
it was about maybe 60 pounds. At that time, I was working out, um, lifting a lot and whatever. And so this one was very high. And so I got on my tiptoes to be able to reach it. And as I push up, I couldn't lift it. And I, I said, this box is not going to beat me. I know, young, naive, whatever you may call it, dumb. The point is that I pushed a second time and I lifted. But as I lifted it, I felt this strange pain in both of my, my adductors, which is my groins. And so I was like, that was weird. I, I'm pretty sure I messed up something. So I put down the box. I sat down and I, I told the rest of the team, I said, uh, I think I'm going to go home, guys. I think I heard something. As I'm driving back home in my stick shift car, the pain is increasing now more. As I go up the stairs to my apartment, the pain is now even more. And I am putting some ice, and I'm like, hopefully tomorrow it will not hurt. And three months later, finally it stopped hurting. I had gone to the doctor, says it's just a sprain. Don't worry, you'll get better. But the point is that later on, Maybe five months later, I went for a run. And as I came back after the uh, three-mile run, I was with the same pain once again. I waited some other five months, and then they invited me to a ski trip. Pastor, come with us. I say, yeah, sure, you know. And so on the first slide that I throw myself down, uh, both of my legs went whoop. And the pain came back. And then it got so bad because I couldn't recover no more that I was on a wheelchair. Uh, and the pain would never go away. And so I had to learn to deal with pain. And the doctors could not figure out what I had. You know, they would do the MRI, but nothing will come up. Anybody ever been there where doctors have no idea what's going on with you? And you're like, I'm not crazy. I'm not. I promise you. You know, one of the doctors that saw me was so frustrated that he told my wife, pull her aside, and says, I think the pain is coming from his head. So <laughs> my wife then pulled me aside and says, Pablo, what if you're crazy? No, she didn't say that, but she's like, that's what he's insinuating, but I have my questions now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, that's me right there, and uh, I, that's a picture at an airport with my little baby that now is three and a half. By the way, this, um, this injury changed my life so much to the point that it was very challenging. It brought mild depression to my life. I even thought about quitting ministry. I didn't, uh, you know, because I couldn't drive, it was really, really bad. And so through this injury, though, I was able to empathize with people that I would have never empathized before. As a young person, I never understood injuries. I remember many times going, rolling my eyes or maybe going, you know, when somebody had to say, but we have to put an elevator for people with disabilities. Well, you know how much that causes? Huh? But we got to build a ramp 
for people that are on a wheelchair. It's like, oh, ramps ain't cheap. And we got to do this and that and a handicap. And we got to, and I was like, oh, it's just, okay, I guess, let's do it, you know. But now that I was on the other side, suddenly life was different. Suddenly, I could understand the pain and the suffering that people with disabilities have to face. Now, I could have a glimpse of it. And I remember on one of the times that I was preaching in this one particular church, I saw a young girl in a wheelchair. And... um. I said, I need to talk to her. So after the sermon, I went straight to where she was. And I was like, what's your name? And tell me, what's your story? And there she started sharing. You know, I was coming back from watching a movie with my boyfriend. We we're going back home. And on the other side of the road, this one guy was high on drugs. And then car was also full of people. And he crashed against the middle part. And his car flipped in the air and it landed on ours as we were going the, in the opposite direction. And next thing I knew, I woke up in the hospital and I couldn't move my legs. And so I was 18 years old, Pastor. I am 21 now. And... Uh, There I said, well, let me tell you my story. You know, and I told her, I told her the little story. And then, you know, all this of like, you know, gloomy, doomy, right there we had a moment. We were empathizing with each other's problems. And, you know, and she was telling me, you know, I, I, right now, uh, you know, I said I, I go through a soccer field and I get this craving and I get this, I miss it so much. I look at people playing or some young people come and say, Pastor, come play with us. And oh, man, does it hurt. Do I miss it? And then she's like, oh, the thing I miss the most is going to the beach and being able to swim in the beach. It's like, ah, there I am just laying in the sand, just taking some sun. And there we were crying with each other as we understood each other's pain. You see, empathy is contagious as well. My wife's a nurse. Any nurses in here? Okay, there's a few of you that are nurses. Okay, oh, actually three. That's quite a bit. All right, so you, you guys know uh, times have changed for nurses. You, you have a whole lot of patience. You are on the clock. You got to get things done. You know, there's no time. To, so how are you feeling today? Oh, let me, you know, maybe back in the day. But now everything is very fast-paced for our poor nurses. And, um, you know, my wife would always tell me the worst patients are those that are paralyzed. She would tell me, oh. It's just, there's such a pain. It's just, you know. And so, and so, interestingly, as I had gone through this, she started to empathize with people on wheelchairs. And she would tell me when she would come home now, it's like, Paulo, take a guess. I had a person who was paralyzed, motorcycle accident, or this, or that. It's like, and, uh, And then I was like, wow, 
Look at you, how you have changed towards people that are uh, paralyzed, huh? And say, well, yeah, you know, we had a good moment, a good conversation, and, uh, and this and that. Now, she was also empathizing with her patients with disabilities of this type. My thing is, guys, that when you empathize with others, it will be contagious. And um, what comes to your mind when you hear the word millennials? Close your eyes real quick. Close your eyes. And uh, let me say it. Millennials. Think about something when I say millennials. All right, open your eyes. What, what did you think when I said the word millennial? What is it? I couldn't hear it, but. Frustration of all the changes. Okay, what else? What? Fast pace. Okay, what else? Young. Okay. Entitled. They know everything. Know it alls. What else? Fast pace. Technology. What is it? Close-minded. Okay. All right. What is it? Innovative. Yes. Okay. Superiority. Ouch. Ouch. Well, I am a millennial. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, there's a whole lot of negative things towards our millennials. Am I right or wrong? I mean, you guys were trying to be nice because you were probably thinking, I think he's a millennial. Let me be careful what I say. But if you put it on Google, um, what comes out? You know how it completes the sentence before you finish it? Millennials are lazy, killing, stupid, idiots. What age? The worst. Entitled. Somebody has said it, right? Uh, over here. Uh, Screw and then killing the napkin industry. I, I was like, what does that mean? And then I realized that millennials don't use napkins. Paper towels. That's, uh, that's what, uh, anyways, don't, don't. You can research that on your own if you want to. But there's a whole lot of negative things going on about millennials. And millennials, they used to be our young people, then became our young adults, and now is transitioning to our adults, right? But if you look around, a lot of the millennials are also missing from our churches. You know, it's, 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 it's been rough. It's been sad. Some of you guys have lost your own millennial sons and daughters. And I'm not here to tell you, oh, shame on you, shame on... No, because every time, you know, you have a kid, at least when you are a follower of Christ, my first thing when I hold that baby in my arms is like, is she going to follow Jesus? Is he going to follow Jesus? You know, it's, it's a big burden that now it's on, 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 your, on your chest. You know, it's like, what is going to happen in the future with this child? And you do everything that you can to put the... And let me tell you, whenever the devil attacks you, your bad father, bad mother, look at your son, your daughter, it's outside or whatever. Also, remember that Jesus lost 
one of his disciples, even though he's perfect and all loving. Judah still decided to say, nah, I don't want none of this. You have the perfect father on God the Father, right? And he lost Lucifer. It, this, is, this is, you know, so you could be the perfect parent. Well, nobody's perfect, you know that, but almost perfect, and you still could lose your kids. We all got to make a decision. You know, um, if I miss on heaven, it's not going to be, for example, I'm going to make it to heaven, I'm going to be like, uh, or, or there on the arguing about my case, and then I'm going to say, but Jesus, you know, my dad was not there for me when I was a child to show me the way. No, we all have to make our own decision, and that's not going to determine, oh, okay, then you get a pass. Well, my mom was abused. Okay, you get a pass. No, we make our own decision, right? So, with that said, now let's go to our Bible. Because in Romans chapter 12, verse 15 to 16, Romans chapter 12, verse 16, 15 to 16, and it says the following. Verse 15, be happy with those who are what? Happy. And weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Wow. That's a good Bible verse about empathizing. Amen? You know, be happy with those who are happy. Be, you know, in this case, weep. Cry with those who cry. I mean, if, if there is a Bible verse, this one is key on empathizing. So powerful. And it says, don't be too proud to be hanging out with millennials. See what I did there? <laughs> you know, those that are entitled, those that are, you know, stubborn, think they know it all. You know, think about those millennials or think about the next generation, which is Generation, generation Z. Um. But once again, empathizing takes effort. It is hard work to empathize. In order to empathize with young people, we need to talk about the big three. All right? Um, the first one on the big three is identity. Young people are constantly battling their identity. Who am I? You know, it's just like it is scrutinizes who you are. You know, it's like looking in a mirror and you got to, who am I? What defines me? Who am I as a person? And uh, the other one, the number two is belonging. It looks at all the quality of relationships. It looks around. You know, a young person in your church is going to look around and say, do I belong in this group? See that right there? Do I fit in in this group? Am I part of it? If I'm gone, will they even notice? That's something to think about, right? Remember what I told you about seven friendships in the church for you to stay? And don't come and tell me, well, they're just looking for people their age. No. Friendships are friendships. 
And I'll tell you at the end why I say, I say that. All right, and, and the third big one is purpose. Meaningful activities that impact others. That's why you hear many times that, oh, young people are very community service oriented. You bet, because they're looking for what? For purpose in their life. For purpose. Young people love to go on mission trips. Yes, it gives them a purpose. So those three, three things right there are, are three things that they wrestle with a lot. Um, you know, identity, belonging, and purpose. Um, John chapter 1 verse 12 says the following. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Out of the big three, identity, belonging, and purpose. Which one is it talking about on that Bible verse? Yes, we could say belonging, right? Because you belong to the family of God. You are his children. It also says, who am I, right? So identity. You are a child of God, right? Let's go to 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of the three, which one is it talking about? Belonging, right? You're a chosen nation, holy. This is where you belong. And then let's look at the third one, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Out of the big three, purpose. Glad you guys are smart people. You remember them all. Purpose it is. So the Bible, it is plagued with these Bible verses that will tackle on these three things. You see, I read that it says that when you work with young people, you should have a picture in your desk of when you were a teenager. That's me right there. When I was a teenager, I think I was 15. Uh, maybe I had one year in the U.S. What would you notice in that picture? Uh, I'm the one in the middle. The one in the left is my sister, and the one on the right, my brother. And that's me right there. I know. I age. That's why you were like, which one? Because <laughs> mercy. <laughs> what, do you, what do you notice? What? I'm not smiling. Yes. What else? I don't look what? I don't look connected. Okay. Trying to look cool. Ding, 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 ding. I'm in the middle, yes? Okay. I read a book on body language. I used to uh, call portering. Maybe you guys don't know what that is, selling books door to door. And um, I read this book because I wanted to read people. I was like, I want to know. I want to see if I know what they're thinking without them telling me, you know. And so, for example, whenever I would see a person with their arms crossed, what did that mean? 
Like, I'm not interested in what you're presenting. And so there was a technique. It says, give them a pen, give them a little fly or whatever so that they can open their arms. Because many times, eh, your body follows or your thoughts follows what your body is communicating. If, you're, if your foot is pointing towards the door and I'm having a conversation with you right here, what does that mean? They want to leave, but they're stuck with you. If they pat you in the back when they hug you, you know, when they hold, it means, yeah. But when they pat, the little pat means, okay, let go. <laughs> and it, all these little things that you can observe. So, you know, interestingly, I, 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 I saw this picture and I was like, whoa, look at all the, all the body language that even though I look like a teen, like she was saying, that is trying to look cool. I'm not smiling because that was the trend back then. You got to look gangster, you know, like, you know, got to take out your neck. No smile, because you got to be tough, tough like nails. You know, mm, we, we're, we're not soft here, all right? But even though I'm not smiling, I'm trying to look cool, I'm full of insecurities. And you can see right there, just through a picture, that I'm battling with all three things. Who am I? Am I a gangster? Am I a, who am I? Am I a seven-day Adventist? Am I a... a the, I had just transitioned from South America to the U.S. I was a complete mess in my head of who I was. So there you see also that my arms are crossed. It means, and my legs are crossed. It's a double cross, right? It's like, I don't want nothing. You know, I am I just, just, just don't, don't want you to get to know me because I don't even know who I am. You know, and so... This helps me to understand that where I am right now is not where I was when I was 15 years old. So, anyways, I, I think when you work with young people, you know, I, even if you are just a grandma or a father or a mother, have a picture of when you were a teenager to remind you of how it was during those times. Because, oh, is it easy to forget when I was your age, well, when you were my age, you didn't have this little device right here. You know, just to give you an example how much it has changed for people. You know, in, in order for some older generations to, uh, to access pornography. Let's, let's, let's go a little deeper now. You had to go to the store. There was bad magazines that were covered. And you had to tell the store owner, uh, yeah, I am older than 18. To access something of that type. Then the following generation was on a big computer that it was usually only one per family. And, you know, in these big computers in the middle of the house, yeah. But now, now you can access whatever you want on a little device. Between your room, in your bathroom, whatever. The challenges for our young people, you know, average age I think is nine years old when they get a phone. And they can go to their rooms with their phones. I call it is like um, sending your kid to sleep with a tiger. You know? Yeah, the tiger can be nice. But in a moment like that, it changes into a monster because he got hungry. And, and, and the same thing, it, it can happen. But that's another topic for another time. 
all right? But I do want to say this. You know, at that age, uh, later on, I went as a missionary to Korea. And then um, it was in this place that I discovered and I dealt and I wrestled with the big three questions. If you ever feel like, you know what, I can't identify with young people. These millennials are this or that or that or these. You have to understand that you also wrestle with the big three at some point in your life. You also were questioning yourself at some point in your life. Therefore, you have material to engage and empathize with younger people. You see, the studies show that after 30 years old, you wrestle with these big three things a lot less. That's why when about 40, some people, you know, they call it the what? Midlife, midlife crisis. You know, who am I? Where do I belong? What's my purpose? But you wrestle with it a lot less than a young person. So, um, you know, when you say, I can't relate, don't do that. You can. Think about the big three and you will be able to relate. You see, um, 40% of young people, adults, young adults in their 20s move back home with their parents at least once. You, you've seen the complaints on that, right? Well, aren't you 28 years old? Why aren't you by the... When I was your age, I already had my house. When I was your age, I was married. I had kids, right? Anybody said that or heard that? <laughs> but look at this. Look at this right here. The traditional signs that a young person has entered adulthood are what? That they found a spouse, a family, completed education, a steady job, and financial independence now occurs five or more years later. Um, okay, let me give you this example right here. Uh, let's imagine an older grandma and says, you know, during my time, all of my friends and I, we were truly virgins when we made it to the altar to get married. But today, shame on all these young girls. They wear that white dress, but they sure in white. You may not see it, but we know it. It's just a few changes in life. Grandma got married probably at what age? Usually 16, 17, around there, 18, sometimes, you know, 2019, right? But let's say, you know, uh, at least millennial grams, I would say 16, 17, 18, right? And uh, uh, the other thing is that back in the day, uh, your, you know, the signs that you are a grown woman now, you know, it, they will come around 15, 14. Today, they come around 12, 11. I know it's crazy, but it's, it, it, there's a lot of factors, and we're not going to go into that. So girls become women, that's why I'm saying quotations, at an earlier age, puberty, whatever you want to call it, okay, at an earlier age. But what do we say? Can they get married at 17? No, no, no. You can only get married once you have what? What is it? graduated not from high school from college 
So you graduate from college around what age? 22, but you're not going to get a job. You got to get a what? A master's. And that's usually around 25, right? 26. The average age in America for marriage, it is 27.5 for girls, 28 for guys. Puberty comes around 11 and 12. How many years of abstinence do they have to face compared to grandma? Now, now you have empathized. I am not saying, Pastor, what are you trying to say? No, the Bible is clear, and it creates a whole lot of damage when you have sex before marriage. There's a whole bunch of consequences from that. I'm not giving you a pass. What I'm saying is empathize. Understand that the shoes that you walked in are different than what the young people are walking in today. They have different challenges. And if the devil knows that it's running out of time, the things will get tougher and harder and harder. I mean, you couldn't hear about kids committing suicide back in the day. But today you do. You know, uh, Children's Cook from Fort Worth uh, took out a, an, an article that they, the max amount of deaths or, 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 you know, people that they admit is not because of car accidents or, you know, diseases or COVID or whatever. It is because of suicide. And when everything is closed and they are just within their four walls and just this phone, there's a whole bunch of statistics of how depression and anxiety increases also with this. Now we see it with adults as well. There's a reason why, you know, all of these things are going down the drain because the devil knows is running out of time. And so uh, the world that young people have been handed is more complex, competitive, and diverse. It's just super different. And uh, I'm not, but I'm going to uh, come to an end. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up. You saw that Bible verse, right? Build each other up. It was a picture, right? One lifting up the other one to get on the rock as well with that's how it should be with our older generation. Help the younger ones to come to where you're at. It is a lot harder. You're going to have to reach a lot lower. And it's probably going to be annoying and this and that. But you have to. So you can save the next generation or help save the next generation. We have to do the best that we can. Just like Jesus did in his three years with Judas. He did everything possible, humanly possible, so that Judas could be saved. You see, on the last slide, uh, there's a picture of Will right there. You know, um, that right there is Will. That's me. And that's his uh, little son. I was probably about 15 right there. And that's my brother right there. That's uh, Linda, the, the wife. But Will, uh, he had just come into our church, had gotten baptized. And um, it was probably, uh, he was probably one of the few 
It was a small church, one of the few young adults in our church. It's probably 27. I was 15 years old, right? And so uh, Will had this quality about him. Like I said, he was not very spiritual. He wasn't the type of, he'll say, come, let's pray. But he had this certain aura about him that, you know, he will notice you. And so we'll be with the teenagers and then Will will come. And we all thought that he was super cool. He had one of those cars that looked like, like it was, uh, you know, fixed and, and really nice, whatever, right? And so he will come and say, hey, happy Sabbath, guys. How's it going? How was school? Okay. You, you got your license yet? Oh, okay. You're working. So, so he was like, to give you an example, one day I said, wow, Will, that's a really nice shirt. He had a white Nautica shirt. You know, at that time, uh, my parents were broke. We had just arrived at the U.S. And so all my clothes will, you know, buy it at Goodwill. And so next Sabbath, Will comes with a little bag, a gift bag. And he says, Paulo, I got, I got you something. Here. I open a Nautica shirt. I was like, man, no, this is too much. No, I can't. Paulo, it's on me. Please, all right, that's for you. You use it, okay? Every, when you use it, you remember me, okay? Man, Will, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, I, I, another time I remember that I had my, my permit. Well, I was trying to get my permit, and, uh, but my dad uh, was too busy to be teaching me or showing me, you know, the, 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 to practice or whatever. So he told me, you know what? Let's go. Parking lot of the church. Uh, what? You're going to practice. I'm going to practice. Here's my car keys. No, no. This car is too expensive, you know. It's, Pablo, come on, sit down. All right, practice. It was stick shift too, so it was it was harder. No, see, I can't, man. It's, it's okay. It's my car. Don't worry about it. Just keep on trying. Once I figure out, he's like, now uphill. Now parallel parking. You know, I passed that. And I was like, well, look what I got. You know, my parents had decided that they were going to send me to a boarding school in Argentina. And so I wasn't going to go to church no more with them in Virginia, in Woodbridge. And so Will found out. He's like, oh, we're going to do a farewell party for Paulo. In my house, all teenagers are invited. I'll provide the pizza. You know, just... And then he came and said, Paolo, I already talked to your parents, you know. All right, it's going to be at the house. We'll do your farewell party. What? Really? We're going to play video games all night. What? Really? You sure you, your father gave the, the, the green light? So, you know, and so there was all of the teenagers. We were there, you know celebrating whatever and playing video games you got to understand my dad didn't allow me to play video games that's what i'm saying you know will wasn't that type of the most spiritual person or this or that but the point is that he cared every teenager knew that he cared and that was the main most and biggest message right there he wasn't perfect but he cared and so you know, at the end of the farewell party, he looks at me and says, Paulo, you're going to go study theology? Go make us proud. Go make us proud. Do big things for Jesus. You know, 
a year into me being in, in, in uh, Argentina, well, the second year, I got a phone call from my mom. I said, Paolo, I'm so sorry, but I have to tell you, Will passed away in a car accident. Man, it shook me. I never cried for anybody passing away, but here I was, tearing up. My mom saying, you okay? What's, hey, Paolo. It's like, I got to go. I got to go into my room hang up and i cry and cry because will have passed away you see people want you to care everybody wants to feel like they belong and here you could take it not just for the young people but also for any adult or any person that comes into your church in garland care enough to rescue to save to help care enough to ask how are you doing care enough to make a phone call and say i haven't seen your church where you been care enough to say come to my house let's break bread together care enough not just for the next generation care enough because that's what jesus did when he was here on earth so, with that said, I'm way past my time. If you as a church, Garland, you want to say, I want to empathize with others. I'm going to try my best. I, it's going to be work. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to pray about this. And God is going to help me to empathize with others, with their pains, with their sufferings with what they're going through in life. I'm going to ask you to please stand up. I want to pray for you. Amen. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I thank you so much for this beautiful church, for these wonderful people that you love so much. I pray that you may help them to be able to empathize with young people, that they may be able to care that just like Will, even with, you know, his defects and everything else, he cared. He was making an impact on the following generation. Help the people right here to realize that they can make an impact. Not just on the young people, the people around them. Help them to care like your son Jesus would care. In the name of of your son Jesus, we pray. Amen.